everybody. We're back for another episode of the podcast where we ask the question, remember the aughts? Yay! 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 We're back for more. And this is the podcast where we talk about everything from the 2000s and things that are inspired by the 2000s. Mm-hmm. From Cherry 7-Up to Pepsi Blue. Oh my god, Pepsi. You remind me of things that I forgot. I Pepsi loved weird Blue. sodas as a kid. Weird soda. Well, I, I mean, kind of do. I mean, think about our Jones episode. That, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Remember Coke yeah. too? Yes. <laughs> that was wild. Didn't that just become like Coke Zero? Coke, the sequel. Coke 2, and then there's like, fuck it, Coke Zero. Yeah. Coke had numbers for a while. Mm-hmm. I remember, I haven't drank in soda in a very long time, but I do remember enjoying Coke Zero more than Diet Coke. I drank so much soda as a kid. Mm. Like, so much. And now I, I like the fizzy drinks. Like, I had that prebiotic raspberry rose soda. Oh. But it's not really a soda. It's just, like, a fizzy drink. Like, now there are so many options where you can still get that fizzy sensation, but it's not soda. Oh, yeah. I drink lots of seltzer. Yeah. Yeah. Way too much seltzer. You know, it's weird. Also, now that we're in 30. it's. No. I know this sounds bad. But when I see another 30-year-old drink, like, regular soda, and I don't mean just, like, having a cup here or there. When I see them actively buy, like, two-liter bottles of Coke, I'm just like, man, what are you doing? Right, right. no good for you. Right, you're thinking about their insides and cavities. Yeah, but then I, I, I... I find it strange when I see adults still, like, actively drinking soda on a regular basis. I know, but I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I'm looking at someone drinking soda going, dude, what are you doing? And then I sip a monster. Like, I'm clearly not Oh, that's better. true, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's sugar-free, but still. Yeah, it's still monster. That's right. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I'll have soda... If, like, we have, like, a party going on, or if I get pizza, I really want a Dr. Pepper or something like that. But just actively drinking a two-liter bottle of Coca-Cola, like you said, is kind of off-putting. Yeah. No, I think there's... And that's the difference, though. Like, you having food, you have a drink with it. Yeah. But, like, buying active liters of soda... Yes. ...to just have in your house... Yeah. ...at all times. At all times. Like, that's a little much. Yeah, soda flavors were weird in the 2000s. They definitely were. (laughs) Oh, my thing, my thing. I was going to reference a time from that time when I went to FYE to buy Collision Course, the collaborative effort between Jay-Z and Linkin Park. Oh, dip. I, I remember feeling weird about it. I don't know if it was because, like, I didn't know where I fell in the cool list, like, who, what, what's cool or not, but I really wanted that album, so I bought it, mm-hmm. but was a little nervous about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had to buy CDs, and I remember, I, what else did I buy? That's when I also bought Rob Zombie's Past, Present, and Future. It was just a like a compilation of his best works and a DVD oh. with all of his wacky music videos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like. 
the audience between Jay-Z and Linkin Park were so completely different back then. Like, nowadays, I don't feel like a collaboration like that would be so unknown. No, and not only that, but, like, we learn now, like, the fan base crossover of these two acts are a lot more common than we thought. Like, it's very common now to be, like, a lot of hip-hop heads or even, like, you know, rock fans being like, oh, yeah, Linkin Park was my jumping-off point into either hip-hop or, you know, or metal. Right, It's very common now. But back then, it was, like, unheard of. At the same time, I do feel like I saw people on both ends of it purchasing it and listening to it. So I feel like it, it was pretty popular then. But back then, I feel like the surprising element of, like, oh, these two big names are are coming together was what was like the big famous part about it as oh, opposed yeah. to you know and then people realize oh this sounds really dope yeah there was a yeah. couple other attempts hang on i right. just want to look this up real quick i think that collision course wasn't the first time they tried that i think they tried it with green day or something like that weird yeah it's weird i don't know who it was with green day uh because I, I think, like, okay. I really, now I'm super fucking curious because I do remember <laughs> this, What like, Linkin Park and Jay-Z was just the one that, like, was popular and, be, you know, mm-hmm. became popular in its own right. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, a- MTV had actually tried it before and it just wasn't as good. Hmm. I mean, there were some bands that definitely crossed genres, um, Gorillas did it so well, you know. Yeah. Well, but I like think it, yeah. That was to say, like that's their whole thing. Is that's like, their whole thing? Yeah, their whole yeah. thing is like collaboration and creating interesting pieces. Right, and finding these really specific artists who maybe aren't so well known, and maybe some who are really well known, and you know, finding ways to interweave them together. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's. It's wild to think. Nowadays, it's just kind of commonplace. But at the same time, the other thing that you mentioned in your statement that is something that doesn't exist anymore is FYE. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Just record stores in general. Well, right? Like Tower Records, I miss so much. Well, big, big record stores like that. Yeah, they don't yeah. exist anymore. Um, yeah. A record shop probably is right. doing better now than it ever has before like record, right like mr cheapos is probably doing way better now than it was in the 2000s bless mr cheapos there's one in um copeg i think there's it, a few of them i had no idea how many there were yeah there's one in copeg that's a little bigger and i like going to that one there's also looney tunes in like i forgot where looney tunes is but that one's a great record shop Hmm. Yeah, our Mr. Cheapos is pretty small. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I like our Mr. Cheapos. It's got character. It does. Yeah. One of the things when talking about hybrid theory, also because like it wasn't necessarily cool to like new metal. And that yeah. sentence crosses over into today's topic. Ah, uh, we were both gonna do a crossover. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was what gonna was your say crossover? I was going to say that. Now that it's more common for artists to blend rap and pop punk together, 
there is no better example than our final member of the pop punk renaissance trilogy that we're doing, which is Willow. That's right. That's yeah. right. With um, this album lately, I feel everything. Oh my god, it's just so accurate. <laughs> also, the album work is just very 2000s, I'm not gonna lie. There's something so mature about her, though. She's very wise for her age. She has, like, I, I feel like, yes, the pop-punk aesthetic is really appropriate for youth, and especially some of her songs, like Naive and Grow, she's very aware of her age and her stance in the world, but at the same time, the aesthetic, her vocal range, her influences, and just the, the lyrics that she's writing, I feel like are just so profound for someone who's turning 21 on Halloween. Wait, what? That's her birthday? Her birthday's Halloween. Fucking, that's awesome. I feel like there's no other day of the year that people are like, oh, that person, that person just looks like a person who's born on that day. There's something about people who are born on Halloween where you're like, hell yeah, that person's born on Halloween. That's wicked. That's fucking yeah. awesome. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, because Willow, obviously, those not aware, Willow Smith, daughter of Will Smith and Jada mm -hmm. Pinkett Smith. These kids, like the well, Jaden and um, Jaden and Willow specifically, mm -hmm. um, have really been in like the limelight for years, like an entire mm -hmm. decade, maybe. And it's like, mm -hmm. like, and I remember fairly well, like I remember when Jaden was starting to be put in movies and stuff like that. Like there was kind of like this underlying sort of joke about like, oh, like these are you know kids just getting work because of their father, you know, or mm -hmm. not taking a mess seriously. But when you're put into, like, the limelight like that, especially for, like, 10 years, and you actively get to see criticism in real time, mm -hmm. it must have some type of effect. And I think, like, there is something to say when, you know, Willow, who's been making music for a while, and if people remember, the um, it got dunked on bad. When it came out, I whip my hair that. back and forth. Yeah. I whip my hair back and forth. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So it's like she's always wanted to make music, but like had to go through the trials of like public scrutiny on such a large scale. Mm -hmm. But there and is as a child, as a child, mm -hmm. it almost reminds me of like, like what happens with Rebecca Black. Yes. Have you seen Rebecca Black's Instagram lately? Yeah, I followed up and saw everything she's been doing lately. She's been killing it. God bless her. She's a she's an icon in the queer community. Totally. Yeah, there's this cult following of certain um stars in the queer community, like Rebecca Black and also um oh my gosh, what was her name? The girl who was the star of Girl Meets World. Rowan Oh, I should know this. Rowan Blanchard. She also, like, both of them have really paved their own way in their Hell communities. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you're right. Like, you're seeing this child get criticized publicly. And it sort of feels like there's this moment of um, where it's warranted. There's a feeling yeah. of where it's warranted because, like, they are celebrities' kids. But, you know, 
as she's grown up, I also didn't really realize that she was making music for so long still. I assumed at some point that she would come back to music as she got older, but I had no idea it would be something like this. No, but then, like, when you see her influences and then especially with her mother's influences, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. And it's also, I think, a fitting statement in the year 2021. And... I mean, I, I, yeah, I did, this wasn't even on my radar until you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm older and a lot more chill and not critical or uh, assholery as I used to be. Mm-hmm. So I went into this with a very, you know, whatever, checking it out. The song's bop. I think the biggest track, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead too far if you were going to okay. get into it, but there's the, the title track of this, I think is fairly good. I think so, too. I think that, um, like, the big single from A Transparent Soul, that's the one you're talking about, right? Yes. Okay. Um, When you were talking about, like, being a famous person's child very early on, and being criticized another element too is just that people suck up to you all the time and i think transparent soul talks a lot about her feeling paranoid that people are just there to gain success off of her success as a celebrity's child and i feel like she really expresses such a deep sense of loneliness from that like that kind of paranoia must be so hard and i can only imagine like how do you create, like, when you create something that the public deems cringeworthy, I, mm-hmm. I, especially at a, like a younger age, I imagine you start to learn real quick. Unfortunately, there's, like, two modes that you are most, like, experienced with. Like, she's mm-hmm. experienced at a young age, like, people are either incredibly critical and mean, or mm-hmm. people or people are super nice, but it's all fake. Like... Mm-hmm. Why else would somebody sign off on you making a song like that other than someone who's just like, if I do this, I'll be in good graces with the Smiths, you know? Like, exactly like mm-hmm. you're saying. Like, So it's really, I can only imagine it's kind of fucked up to grow up in a world feeling like people either hate you for no reason or only treat you nice to get in good with your father or mother, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like she really expresses it in a way that people can understand or empathize with. If she was just saying like, oh, it's so hard having so much money, nobody's gonna feel bad for that, you know? But the way she expresses it, um, like I'll go into the lyrics a little bit, but I love the way she lays out the verses where she says like, I know a boy just like you, he's a snake just like you. And then the second verse she goes like, I know a girl just like you, she was vain just like you. And I I feel like the way that she plays those two verses, like the way it's kind of similar to the first one, but it's also a little different, does kind of create a narrative that you can at least sympathize with. And then you just feel bad for this girl who probably grew up feeling very lonely. Oh, yeah. Um, Do you want to talk about the music video a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about the music video. Yeah. There's two of them. There are two of them. I kind of like the visualizer a lot more than the, the actual music video. Well, the visualizer is very 
in tune with the style of the aughts. Like, even the, like, the, when you look up Transparent Soul, it has, like, mm-hmm. this, like, it, like, the title track has, like, an image that's tied to it that is very much, like, weird early 2000s sci-fi, like, digital editing mm. just kind of became a thing and everyone was super excited to use it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got the leather on. And wasn't her mom in one of the Matrix movies? Yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith. Oh, okay. She was, um, I forgot which one. Speaking of, isn't I mean, the trailer for the new ones is dropped. I was gonna say, isn't it a weird choose-your-own-adventure? Yeah. Oh my goodness. This, this movie franchise. I gotta look this up. It's n- Matrix Resurrections, right? Uh, no, I think it's... The Resurrection's the new one. Right. But right, the, that's what the, I meant, sorry. Yeah, I think she was in The Matrix Revolutions. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, yeah, she was in Matrix Revolutions, The Matrix Reloaded. Oh, because those are the two sequels to the first one, so she's in the two sequels to the first one. Okay, I'm not going to lie. The names for the sequels of The Matrix just sound like a dot .hack series. Well, isn't that essentially what it... <laughs> Yes and no. It's a, it's a little different. It's a little different, um, no, but it's still very critis- similar. This isn't me criticizing Dot Hacks. <laughs> Dot Hack was my favorite game series, probably more than Final Fantasy. I'm surprised I haven't used that for an introduction yet. Oh. But Dot Hack, Revolution, and then what's the third one? Re- oh no, the second one's Reloaded. It goes Matrix, Reloaded, and Matrix Revolutions, I think. And then now it's Resurrection. Yeah, yep. if you just take out Matrix and put dot .hack reloaded, dot .hack revolution, dot .hack resurrection, that just sounds like I just came up with their next game trilogy. Yeah, well, a just lot like of movies in the aughts had names like that. Like, like yeah. Resurrection was used so much. Like, Halloween Resurrection. Right. That's actually, that's a movie I'm, we might talk about this year. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That one's got Busta Rhymes in it. You know, I've been listening to the Blank Check podcast cover John Carpenter's movies, and I've been enjoying it a lot. He was ahead of his time. Yeah, it, it's been fun. I also listened to the episode where they talk about the fog. Ooh, the fog. That's that one's a divisive one. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't like the fog, but people okay. love the fog. And people things, do love the fog. People love the fog. And there's things that are real. Like, I'm not here to say it's bad. It's it's honestly really good. I just didn't like it. I think I like the the, the nautical nature of the fog. There's some well, lighthouses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah some, no, you might really like the fog. It's very nautical. Yeah. Spooky nautical ghosts with leprosy. <laughs> yes. You know, and there's fog. I love fog. So... Yeah, I think you might like The Fog. I might also just need to revisit The Fog and, you know, give it another go. That's fair. That's fair. But, so I feel like this style is pretty apropos with the, like, 2000s resurgence that's been coming up. Mm hmm. Also, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith was in Scream 2. Was in what? Scream 2. Oh, I've never seen Scream 2. I should watch it. Um, I don't, I watched it like a few years ago. I don't, it wasn't that good. Oh, really? I love the first scream. Like, I really love the first scream. 
I've watched the first one. But the second one wasn't that good, and I haven't seen the third one. The fourth one's good, and there's a new one coming out. Oh, there is? Yep. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. I know uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar kind of has the Drew Barrymore role in the second one, where she's just there for five minutes, and then she gets killed, too. Yep. Yeah. But I didn't know that she was in Scream 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Willow talks a lot about her influences from her mother's music and oh, how yeah. that's influenced this album. That's right. Um, do, you want me to, do you want me to tell that story real quick? Yeah, let's go into it. All right. So for those not aware, Jada Pinkett Smith, for a brief time, formed a new metal band based in Los Angeles called Wicked Wisdom. <laughs> Apparently, she would. They would play at small clubs. Sharon Osbourne actually caught wind of them, and she was blown away and fell in love with them, and actually put them on. I think two thousand was two thousand six. Uh, no, two thousand five's Ozfest tour. Oh, really? Which those not familiar? Yeah, they played at Ozfest. If for those not familiar, Ozfest was a ma- like a m- massive um, heavy metal slash like alternative rock music festival that used to tour the country kind of like a heavier but an older like warp tour or bamboozle mm-hmm. or actually it's more like it's more akin to like um like a rock like a mayhem festival which again mm. also doesn't exist anymore oh it's so sad yeah festivals like that i mean i know Lollapalooza in chicago happened this summer i don't really know how that went as far as covid goes yeah but I know people were just so excited to have yeah. Lollapalooza again. It it was weird, like, side note, like, because mm-hmm. um, Coachella happened. And it did? there was, yeah, was it Coachella or some other really pretentious music festival? I'm sorry, I'm being <laughs> critical. I should stop. But, uh, <laughs> oh, but it, there was, like, pictures were released of it, and it did seem kind of irresponsible with the large amount of crowds and. This was like the favorite thing of every conservative talk host. Like, look at all these liberals out here enjoying music. Don't they care about COVID? What happened to COVID, huh? And for a brief time, I was kind of like, yeah, this seems like really irresponsible. But then they like those numbers show there wasn't a significant surge afterwards. And it's like, huh, I wonder why that is. I wonder if it has anything to do with the vaccination numbers, because then you take another big event the again the big biker festival that happens every year the one that caused a big spike last year again mm. caused a big spike this year and you know why Courtney can you take mm. a guess as to why mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, I think maybe, it can yeah you can take a guess as to why one event with the same amount of people doesn't have a spike in COVID cases and why another mm-hmm. one does mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm. one had young people who were willing to get vaccinated I mean, granted, there are still young people who don't want to get vaccinated. We know people like that. Yes. Um, but when the majority is vaccinated people at a certain age demographic, then that other one is not going to go so well. No. Yeah. Also, guys, but don't take horse dewormer, please. Don't do it. Don't take what? Horse dewormer. What's that? I've Ivermectin. 
You're just saying words that I don't oh, think are real. Okay, so... Uh, sorry, this will be my last side note of the episode. Okay. <laughs> so, ivermectin is an anti-parasite medication mm-hmm. with mixed research to the benefits of it preventing the spreading... Not the spread, the... the it There's potential argument for it to prevent the respawning of different of viruses in the body mm-hmm. but it hasn't been thoroughly studied and some studies that came out have been uh specifically skewed to make the drug look better and that argument could be does the manufacturer want you to buy this drug that's mm. in a whole separate argument but the problem is because the world is full of finite resources and not every you can't just be given things because doctors aren't really prescribing it to people because it's not been proven to be an effective treatment for COVID. Mm-hmm. But rather than like take care of themselves and be cautious and get like proper treatment, people are turning to the same drug, but that's used for horses because you could just buy that over the counter. That's crazy. But the uh, obviously the, per- the dosage for a horse is that much more than that for a person. So people have been taking the horse version of ivermectin and it's been causing severe injury and death because it the drug at that that dosage literally rips through your insides oh god yeah it's don't look it up it's pretty nasty what it's been doing to people so what what kills me is you know the vaccine is available and and it's free and it's free and we're very lucky to live in a country where that is the case and it is available to us but then this other, you know, then there are people who are like, well, we don't know what's in the vaccine. Let me go take these other 500 combinations of things that I shouldn't be taking. Yeah, especially when it's made for a horse. Yeah. And you have to pay money for it. Yeah, that's crazy. I know. I know. So The logic of some people. Yeah. But that's that's all. That's my last idea. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. We gotta get back on topic. We're talking about Willow's. Uh, no, Jaded Pickett Smith's time and uh, Wicked Wisdom, which their songs aren't bad. They're very, very much like what you would expect of like a new metal act from the 2000s. Okay. It's a female fronted, you know, female focused new metal band. Apparently, their time at Warp the uh, at Ozfest. Um. I remember reading some things. Pink, she said that uh, it was rough at first, but when the gimmick kind of ran, like when the people got over the gimmick, they apparently mm-hmm. did. They apparently had a really good time mm-hmm. and did pretty well on tour. But there were obviously this is still the two thousands, and as if you know, new metal itself wasn't cool still at all. And then to have an entire female group led by Jada Pinkett Smith, that was definitely. Um, to be honest, a lot of older people in the heavy metal scene aren't necessarily the most accepting or nice of people. Right. And that's something that Willow um, talks a lot about in one of her interviews is that, you know, she watched her mom face a lot of sexism and racism in the metal scene. And Haley Williams has also talked a lot about uh, facing sexism in, you know, the tour scene. And, um, you know, it's it's really hard for, um, like, young people not to see musicians that look like them. But then what do you do when the fan base isn't accepting of it, too? Then that's, 
a dangerous position to be in. Um, so, you know, Willow really wants to, like, tell young fans out there, like, focus on your art, make your art, don't listen to these people or don't listen to the business aspect of it. Just make art because you want to make art. And, you know, that's something that Michelle Zahner has been talking a lot about, too, is, like, growing up and only seeing Karen O oh or, like, Michelle Branch as the only Asian-American pop, mu- pop punk musicians out there, you know? So I think it's really valuable that there are musicians like Japanese Breakfast and Willow who are sending out this message right now yeah. in 2021. Yeah. And what's wild to me is I when I looked up the story of Wicked Wisdom, like mm-hmm. they toured with Seven Dust. Seven Dust is a very big metal band, mm-hmm. especially in the scene. Like people know of Seven Dust. Okay. They, they were an Atlanta-based uh, metal band. And it's like, I think people within that scene, like people, you know, other musicians and people like she got, they got recognized by fucking Sharon Osbourne. Mm-hmm. Like people recognized like, oh, this is a pretty legit group. We should do stuff with them. But unfortunately, you know, the audience wasn't necessarily there for it. Right. And I'm not going to lie. I never actually listened to any of their music. And I feel like I had been told over and over again, like, oh, yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith was in a new metal band, but it just never really stuck to me. Metal's also not really my forte. Um, but I love that she just decided in the 2000s when she already had a successful acting career to just, you know, pick up and make this band that she wanted to make. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But so a lot of that metal music is what influenced Willow. And then, you know, she started getting into artists like Avril Lavigne. And I had mentioned this artist in the Olivia Rodrigo episode, but I was so happy to actually hear Willow say that she was an influence of hers, which is Fifi Dobson. Mm. Fifi Dobson is another, like, pop-punk musician who genuinely, I don't think, got enough time to make more albums. She made one album, I had it, and over time she's had singles here and there, and she's had talks about getting another album, but it's never come into fruition. Um, so I was really excited to see Willow acknowledge, um, when she was talking about her influences that, uh, Fifi Dobson was a big one for her. Cause I That's definitely awesome. hear that in this album. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, so Transparent Soul, I feel like is a really good song to start with. It's got our pop punk uncle on it, Travis Barker. The, the connecting dot through the every episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um... You know, and she's singing a lot about how, um, you know, she feels really alone in the situation that she's in. But I also like this sort of mature spin she puts at the end of it of like, oh, but if I'm judging everybody, then I'm just exactly the same thing. Like, I also need to be transparent. How can I ask for this in others if I can't do it myself? So That is one aspect that I like about the original music video where it is sort of, you know, she's faced with this sort of like mirror creature, this like mirrored, self-reflective, almost silver surfer looking creature. Um, And then it sort of like goes into her mind and comes out afterwards. And that's her accepting that like she needs to let go of this judgment herself to find it in others. Hell yeah. But I do like the visualizer music video much better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Now, do um, you have, um, there we have that article, right? Yeah, yeah. So I found this really great article about um, the influences behind Willow Smith's music video. And I, I was trying to figure out what it reminded me of. And it has that very 90s aughts feel to it, but I couldn't figure out what it was exactly that made it that way. And then I found this article um, by Sasha Geffen, where she talks about Willow and Olivia Rodrigo, our previous entry in this trilogy mm-hmm. on Art Forum. And she specifically mentioned um, the music videos in the early 90s directed by Hype Williams. And he really? was the one who would do like Busta Rhymes, Missy Elliott, TLC, Aaliyah. Like those kinds of music videos where they have the fisheye lens that sort of, you know, makes the camera this entity and you're seeing through the perspective of the camera. Mm-hmm. So, and I feel like the visualizer video really does sort of fit the childhood or the teenage years that Willow Smith is growing up with. One, not only as a child star or somebody who is known in Hollywood already as a teen, but also just growing up in the pandemic where you're isolated, you're in a corner, you're stuck in this room with four walls where she is, and then also she's just, the only way to connect is through a camera. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. That was one of the feelings I got from it. Like, I, I do feel like some of this album is very influenced by COVID. Differently oh, yeah. than the Olivia Rodrigo album. Well, I mean, Olivia's felt like there was a frustration about, like, this youth being robbed, which you, right. is relatable. I don't know if that was in, always the intention, but it's certainly there. Right. But yeah, I, but, can, I think I get what you're saying with this album in particular. I feel like with Willow's album, she's looking more inward. I feel like mm-hmm. with Olivia's Olivia's album, it was more about the external, losing the social experience. With Willow, I feel like it's more internal, and she's trying to navigate her own experiences through depression during the pandemic. That's fair. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, like in... Um, I really liked the way that this article described it. In Sasha Geffen's article that she wrote for Art Forum... You know, she says, like, Willow thrashes in a featureless white room, flooded bluntly with light. Willow is alone in this visual capsule. She sings into and kicks at the fisheye lens set on the ground, then backs herself into a corner of the claustrophobic box, whose walls have suddenly sprouted security cameras. She aims one at the viewer, threatening us with a reciprocal gaze. Mm. And then it actually goes on to reference how, like, the fish islands became an aesthetic after um, 2001, A Space Odyssey. And I just really loved that connection. I just like loved the seamlessness of adding that to this article. Um, okay. Willow wrote Transparent Soul in Lockdown while a great deal of social interaction was being mediated by cameras and the networks that connect them, so it's no surprise that its visual treatment would have a heightened awareness of itself as video. Not a portal into a dream world, but a set of pixels delivered via a self-surveilling algorithm. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I really liked that. Um, and it kind of makes the reader 
kind of put themselves in Willow's position of being stuck in that room with, like, the four walls and the camera. Oh, yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, it's weird Um, that they shot two music videos, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the first one is very just, you know, it's pop punk. She's going to a club, she takes somebody's cigarette and smokes it, and then she starts playing. And Travis Barker's there. Travis Barker's there. Um, I did kind of wonder, based on the music video and some of the other songs, if she had any female relationships. And then I found out that Willow is openly bi. Oh, good for her. She's a bi-con. Yay. So um, I, I really liked that she's very open about that um, in the music video, and I felt like she definitely sings about it in the album. I just needed that confirmation. I needed to know for sure. Is like, is it just, you know, relationships in general, or is it romantic relationships? So uh, once I found out that she had you know, stated her um, sexual orientation. I was like, okay, now I can really connect this to what she's writing. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Should we go on to the second song? Yes. Fuck you. Fuck you. It's 36 seconds long. It's 36 seconds long. It's just, it's fun. Yeah. It's so fun. She's just shouting at you. And then that's it. That's the end of the song. This album isn't very long either, but I think it's an appropriate length, especially when making a record like this. Yeah, and I feel that her album, although it's also like her expressing like what she's feeling internally, I feel like it's also um, uh, an experimentation in in form and the way that she wants to make music, you know? Yeah, I I can see that. 30 minutes is pretty fair. No, absolutely. And I feel like the album itself, like the first four songs are, you know, definitely examples of her like practicing this new style of music, trying to find what she's looking for. And then something about Naive and every song after, it, I feel like it takes a much more serious turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but so number three, we have Travis Barker again. On Um, did you listen to this song? I no, unfortunately I didn't. Okay. Um, I mean, it plays at the beginning as just a very like fun summary pop punk song. But the lyrics are about her realizing that the person that she cares about um, is gaslighting her. And it's about her coming out of that. I'm going to look up the lyrics. Yeah, I have the video up here. I'm listening to it currently. Oh, okay. And the lyrics are here, too. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of it. I I like it, but this is one of the songs that when I'm not listening to the album, it's hard for me to remember it. Let's see. You. I like the way in the first verse, you know, she says, like, I had to tell her to stop messing with my head and love me instead. It's not official, but I think it's common sense. 
or am I insane? I blew out the gaslight. Now I feel mm. a different way. I like the idea of her use her using gaslight as a literal gaslight. Yeah. Um, which is kind of where the term comes from. But you know, saying I blew out the gaslight as if like the person gaslit her so much that she was able to realize, like, oh, I think this is what this person is doing to me. And now she's in a place where she can question the person's motives and their actions. Yeah. Well, even in the verse verse, I like you, you like me. That's why I'm confused. I can't read the signs. Mm hmm. It's just it, like, I get that frustration. Is it, it, the, the feeling is there and it should be so easy, but it's not, it's confusing. It's messy. It's painful. Mm-hmm. And even the lines, I like you, you like me, just seem like it should be simple enough. So the fact that she says afterwards, like, well, I'm confused, it's confusing, just goes to show you that, you know, it's a lot more complicated, or this person's mm -hmm. making it much more complicated. Oh, yeah. Um, and then it also just makes me feel for her that somebody, you know, this young, the same way, like, Olivia was singing about this, like, heartache that is, you know, it's so tragic and so big, you know, but le reading these lyrics, I just feel like I want to hug this person who Aww. experienced this kind of a relationship so early on. Yeah. Yeah. It stinks. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so the next song, Naive, this is, I mean, no, no, we're up to Don't yeah. Save Me. I'm sorry. Don't Save Me. Don't worry. Um, Don't Save Me, I feel like, is one of the forgettable ones. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, I mean, the lyrics are basically that don't save me. I don't want to be saved. It's about, that's about it. Yeah. No, I can understand that. Yeah. Um, the visualizer for that, um, like we've mentioned, has a lot of 90s musician influences in it, but it's also, um, a bunch of Polaroids. Yeah. Which also reminds me of Sia's early 2000s video for Breathe Me, because that's oh, all in okay. Polaroids. I didn't think about that. I haven't seen that one. Oh, you haven't seen that? No. People don't remember that before Sia was a pop icon, that she was just a really sad, independent musician. Shit. Breathe Me is so sad. Shit. Alyssa and I listened to it a lot in high school. <laughs> I gotta check it out then. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like Don't Save Me is, you know, not, pretty not your the favorite. Mill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she says, like, oh, I don't feel like I can do it alone, but then she says, Don't Save Me. Okay. Well, I mean, I get that. It's like, you want help, but you're, like, either angry or, like, because when you're in the depression, you kind of isolate yourself. Right. Which is, ironically, usually when you need the most help. And it's just hard to communicate that without feeling guilt for it. Like, you feel guilty for it. Yeah, exactly. I get that, yeah. And especially, like, someone with her level of, like, financial privilege, um, it's also a lot harder to feel like you deserve to be sad. You mm -hmm. know, um... Prince Harry 
was on Dak Shepard's podcast, and every single time he mentioned his own struggles with depression or suicidal thoughts, um, he immediately felt like he had to say, like, I know I don't deserve it. And it was so sad to hear that immediate switch going off. Just, like, he would talk about it, and he was there to talk about it, but then he'd immediately be like, I know with everything I've been through, people wouldn't think that. And you could hear it in um, Monica and Dax being like, it's so sad that you keep saying this. But, like, we get that. Like, even yeah. anyone anyone with any... Well, not... I don't want to just say anyone with privilege. Just most people, because you're already in, like, a self-defeating, like, cycle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Depression does that to you. You're just like, I don't deserve to be depressed. And it just makes you more depressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think also, um, you know, with Willow and somebody like Prince Harry, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. To me, with what they've experienced, I wouldn't want to deal with that. That sounds terrible. Like, I wouldn't want to be Willow Smith at, like, 12 making this fun song and then see it get so critically um, laughed at. Like, that would be humiliating. I already humiliated myself at 12. I didn't need it at a national level. Jeez, yeah. Not not national, international. International, right, exactly. Like, that that's a lot to deal with, and it's also unprecedented. Like, there aren't a lot of people or there aren't a lot of books to help you navigate what that feels like. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go on to the next song, Naive. This is where I feel like things start to take a turn. This is where I feel like it, it gets a little darker and it starts to show that she's not just experimenting with her style of music making, that she's um, really thinking about going in a darker route. And um, I, I think that the song is really good. Okay. Uh, let me find the lyrics for it. And it's kind of about her actually saying, despite how mature I think it sounds, it's all about her saying that she is young, she is naive, there's a, a lot that she hasn't experienced yet. So, you know, she talks about a lot of things that um, are going on around us that are really intense for young people. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Well, I mean, like, I have the lyrics here. Mm-hmm. How could this be done by such a smiling sweetheart? Like, almost like the expectations put on, like, a young woman. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the main lyric is, oh, you're so naive, yet so. Like, questioning, like, oh, you're... And I guess any kid could feel... Not just any kid, like, especially if you have differing views from your parent, you can feel like that all the time. You're constantly being told you're naive, you don't get it. And it's like nothing else you do matters. But it's like, it's almost like you come off like a threat, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, in the second verse, um, she says, like, I just want to listen to the rainfall while I sit up in my room. I get a phone call. It's my friends saying, can you pick us up? We got shot by rubber bullets at a protest in the Bronx. Yeah. And, um, you know, it is kind of this duality of, like, her being told and, you know, realizing that her, you know, maybe her... um, her people her age her peers are experiencing something really intense but then at the same time like being told you're naive and then you think like well then i guess i am naive i know i can be um but yeah i, I really I, I like this song and the second part of the verse she says um 
um, you open up to me like a flower. I just want to see you bloom. And I, mm. I, there's something really beautiful about that line. There, that's, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's something really uh, beautiful about this song. I feel like her writing is really great in it. And I think this shows her strength. And um, I can't wait to see what her next album will look like from this song. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's a really intense song and I feel like it kind of hits on that lately. I feel everything. Like, I feel like this song really emphasizes the, the title of the album. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then we're on to the next song. These songs go by so quickly. Yes. Lipstick. 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 Um, I think she just made a video for this one. I haven't seen it yet, though. Neither have I. Yeah. Um, but I like this song. I think it's another one about the pandemic. Um, huh. Lipstick is something that a lot of people have just stopped wearing during the pandemic. What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, so I feel like what I get from it is that she's kind of playing on that and how... Um, you know, the pandemic is very stifling and you feel like you can't have the freedom that we used to have. Um, and she talks a lot about like being like a butterfly or a bluebird and she wants to fly away. Um, so I think it's about like the sort of overwhelming and like overlooming dreariness of the pandemic and wanting to escape that and, wanting to just live life normally well like it, it can also i mean i imagine it doubles with depression which yes. a lot of this pandemic did do i mean there's this part i think we live in a labyrinth that was created by my mind like I that know. is it's like there's no other way around it getting to like the isolation we kind of put ourselves in and it's not helped by literal physical isolation yeah yeah, I mean, even when she says, like, I never wanted to just suffer inside, hurt, don't heal, when I'm always trying to hide. Because, you know, it's one of those things where, like, when you're healing, when you're taking, you know, when you're healing or, like, you're injured, you have to rest, you have to stay in bed, you have to, you know, be at home. And that is sort of self-isolating. But like you're saying, that's also, if it's a mental injury, if it's, a like, a mental healing that you need... Sometimes isolation is the worst thing. Um, so I figured lipstick was just, like, kind of this, like, the lightest way for her to kind of, like, get into this view of the pandemic. Um, because, yeah, like, nobody's wearing lipstick. Um, that's what I took from it. I, I think I've only worn lipstick once during this whole pandemic and it was like a light pink and I was still like, this is dumb. What am I doing? Hmm. Um, but I, I, I really like this song. I, I like the style of it. All right. Next one. Come home. This is the one that I think is about, um, a female relationship oh mm-hmm mm-hmm um she has isla tesler mabe mob uh featured on it 
Yeah. And I, I feel like this song also, this was the one that made me like really realize like, oh, she is very mature for her age because in the first lyric, she says like, you're my stars and sun. And she says it with such um, like gravitas in the song. You know, it reminds me also of like Amy Winehouse, like that depth for such a young age. And then yeah. the next line is, a force in the room, of course they're confused, you're stunning. <laughs> like, that kind of person that you're so in love with that, like, when they enter the room, like, other people notice them, too. But yeah, so this song, I think, is just about, you know, loving someone so much and wanting them to come home. And um, that could also be, you know, a separation from the pandemic as well. That like when you're away from somebody that you love so much and you don't want to be alone anymore. I, I almost took this as kind of like the follow up of a separation. Mm. Well, because I mean, there's even the point where she says, you know, I. Am I someone by myself or am I only someone when I'm with someone? And there's like constant allusion to like. You know, I've done that. I've worked on myself, did things for my health. It, it's almost like, and this is something I think I struggle with, mm -hmm, especially mm -hmm. with like a hyper fixation and attention problem. Mm -hmm. um, you, we tend to fixate and fetishize almost what something was mm -hmm. and how much we want that back. I'm not saying the love and the affection isn't real, mm -hmm. but it's hard to define yourself when you're hyper fixated on what was mm. and if we are someone like identity becomes a huge thing when you separate from someone because now it's like how am who am i without this person and who was i before this person and it's hard to almost find that again that's a really good point whenever i listen to the song that those lines do stick out to me um as something that's like very that kind of does set the song in a different tone. Um, and, you know, when I was younger, too, and I'm sure a lot of people feel this way at some point, especially now that we are in our 30s and people are supposed 30. to be... We're in our 30s and people are supposed to be getting married and stuff. There's a lot of expectation of value on relationships that, like, yeah. you are a more valuable or valid member of society if you have your partner picked out. And for me, when I was much younger and I like I suffered with a lot of like self-esteem issues um, and I felt like really ugly and I felt like nobody wanted me whenever I had a boyfriend, I did kind of have a, I, I would have these instances where I'd be like, look, I have a boyfriend. Somebody finds me attractive, so I can't be <laughs> ugly and useless. So when I do hear am I someone by myself or am I only someone when I'm with someone else? That, that memory would come back to my mind. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, when we're going through all of these, it's like hard to pick up on certain lines. No, don't worry, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does kind of play on that. Like, is this a relationship that she's currently in where she's like so in love with this person and she needs them? Or is it about like the longingness after losing someone in a mm -hmm. relationship? And then also, you know, after that, she does also say, and I'm sorry, I left you all alone. So it kind of one, you kind of wonder, like, 
did she break up with this person? Did she have to leave them to work on her mental health? Maybe, yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like, it seems like seems like a couple songs on this album mm -hmm. relate to this story. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if you're ready to go to the next one. Yeah, let's do it. Forever. Spelled with mm -hmm. a four and a ever. Forever. Yeah, this one... I don't mean to kind of steal the reins. This one is a you know the, not the longest. It's what I think it's uh it's two forty one. No, go ahead, cause this one this one doesn't really do it for me. Well, this one seems like a continuation of the last one. It's it's like you were my lifeline, and it feels like a lifetime ago. Mm. Like I think this is like a further kind of continuation of the last song, kind of feeding on like what this feels like the further away and the more distant you are from this mm. passion. It's so, because it is so intense. Yeah. Yeah. Because it almost seems like, this is me talking about myself right now. Um, <laughs> it feels like you're in a desert and as yeah. things calm down and as the pain begins to reside, it gets darker for a little bit because you're traveling through the desert at night. And the only light that you have that you never want to turn around and look back on is like what was. Mm. And you just kind of left with this like it, it is weird. It is weird that the further I know that time heals all wounds, whatever. But there is still this moment in time where like, yeah, you may be getting up further and further away from the incident or further and further away from it and the pain. It still becomes like darker and isolated and quiet. Because that's mm. what it's going to be until you find daylight or the next town over, you know? Mm. You know, um, I was thinking, whenever I hear this one, I, I think of how she's, like, she says that her goal is to always, like, you know, be an advocate for the earth and, like, search for the divine. And I just, the way that she does it sonically, the way she plays this song out um, in in the audio, I, I just keep picturing her like walking amongst like the sun falls over the mountains and there's some sort of like almost like spiritual landscape around her. So it was hard for me to grasp onto the actual lyrics of this. So I'm glad that you um, like took the reins on this one because no I, I think you're right. It is um, a, a nice follow up to the song before it. Yeah. I mean, the final touch on this song I can really comment on is, I mean, the, it ends with just a simple... I know, you know, we know this can't last forever. And it just ends with, I know. Mm -hmm. It's Aww. just, you know, it's just sad kind of, kind of whimper of acceptance and mm -hmm. knowing that this had to end. But it doesn't mean, you know, it still sucks. Like, that's really all else I could say about it. Yeah, I mean, when I listen to this song, like, it, it is hard to pick up on how isolating those lyrics are. Because there's something so melodic about the way she sings them that sometimes it kind of loses the intensity of the lyrics. Because um, the lyrics themselves are very blunt, but the way she sings them are the complete opposite. Hmm. Okay. Um, it's very like, I know, you know, we know. Like, it's just like very like almost like hauntingly chanting um, thing that just like kind of she ends the song with. Um but yeah, that's like, that's such a sad way to end a song. I know. 
No. Yeah. I know. The next. I know. Yeah. All right. Did you want to take the next song. one? Sure. Extra. Extra. Featuring a tarot whack. Um, I'm not gonna lie. This one actually kind of reminded me of Janelle Monae. Hmm. Interesting. Tierra Wax, um, wrapping it reminds me a lot of Janelle Monet. Okay. Um, but yeah, this one is about, like, from what I gather, um, and, like, she's saying more about, like, the earth, that, you know, she needs some time alone to breathe, I need some trees and fresh air. Um, I need to, like, she needs to feel, like, the wind around her, and, uh, like, when she's under pressure, it's too much, and she needs some time to get away from it. Um, if and I, I may say, mm-hmm. what's interesting about this song mm-hmm. is it's much more rich lyrically. Mm-hmm. It's It almost seems more energy. Um, you know, and like you said, like, it's like, I'm okay now, I just needed some time. It almost is, like, an angrier follow-up to the last one mm-hmm. ironically the last song a lot more mellow a lot less lyrics was longer by 20 seconds than this song the song is shorter yeah. but is packed with a lot more yeah and she's singing it more aggressively and at a faster pace than forever mm-hmm. yeah um the the pantameter for the first line is like really interesting it's like da 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 like um it moves really quickly. I can um, imagine, yeah. I feel like the language that she uses in this too is a lot more appropriate for like a musician who's like really young. Like she ends the chorus with "Miss me with the fake apologies." You're being extra. Hmm. Um, but no, you're right. Um, another musician who would do stuff like this is Tegan and Sarah. Yeah. Oh, I love Tegan and Sarah. I love Tegan and Sarah. Um, their one album, the lyrics, you could just, like, fit into, like, a few lines. All of them were that short. But then they have other songs where they're just jam-packed with lyrics. Yeah. Um, but I, I like this song. I like this song a lot. Yeah. I feel like the more that the younger generation becomes self-aware of what they need mentally... They're also just like bogged down with more historically terrible events that are happening. <laughs> yeah. Like the more that happens in the world, the more they need help to deal with all of these things. That's what I that's what I get from this song. Is just Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. Like, oh man, it's so amazing that she realizes that she needs self-care and she needs a minute to stay away. But it's also because, like, she is feeling the weight of so much pressure that is just, like, insurmountable. And there is a pressure that is going on in this world for young people that is just unprecedented. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're up to Grow. Which Oh is... yeah, this one, this one's a big one. This is the one where I was like, we have to add Willow to our pop punk renaissance. Yeah, it's got Avril Lavigne and Travis Barker. Yeah, this was this was actually the first thing that I saw when I realized Willow Smith was making a pop punk album. 
And when I saw her working with Avril Lavigne and Travis Barker, I was like, okay, we got to check this out. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, this song, I mean, if I may say this, I really get in the sense of like, you know, a breakup album as well, mm-hmm. which I mean, those feelings are very, you know, very relatable also during a pandemic. So it's not, you know, exclusive. But I mean, this one literally, I mean, it's called Grow and it literally like it starts off with I've been putting work on myself, healing myself. The song goes on, I'm you know, talking like about it. kind of the progression of the self. Yeah. Kind of like building back self-confidence. I love this song. I'm glad you do. It's just, it's so cute. It's so sweet. There is definitely this, like, um, like you're talking about, like, you know, she's coming out of this, like, very serious situation. But, you know, the beat, maybe it's also Avril Lavigne being featured on it. It it does feel just like, I don't know. There's, there is some, like, levity to it that I think the album needed and also that I think young people need right now. Yeah. Like, it, it does have a little bit of that happiness to it. Well, hope. It's almost like, it's still it's not, hope. I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's necessarily, like, the most hope. Like, I would just say it's, it is a hope. It is, it is still pain. It's still upset, but it's like, hey, the, I just need to deal with this. I need to grow and I'm going to do better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it Hopeful is definitely the best way to put it. Um, and, you know, like, you know, when she says, like, I feel everything, it's the same growing pains. It feels like it is saying, like, you know, there is pain and growth but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing either i mean you experience it and you learn from it and then you grow from it yeah um i also i really like avril lavigne being on this i feel like she's another one who you know for her you know um her part on this song i feel like fits her career really well or like where she's at you know I mean, because when she was like 17 and she started her music career, you know, it exploded. She was off the charts and then it just seemed like over time and then with that really uncomfortable Hello Kitty music video and then she was diagnosed with Lyme's disease, it felt like she just kind of faded into the background a little bit. Yeah. So she's been showing up a little bit more. She's been resurfacing. She's been, you know, I think she came out with a new album recently, but it just got swept under the rug because of everything else that was happening during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so I really liked her verse on this because I felt like it was saying to um, Willow Smith, like, hey, just keep going. Nobody really knows who they are. And that... Her saying that to Willow feels very different than Willow saying it. Willow saying it is like, oh, look at all these grown-ups. Like, they don't know what they're fucking doing. Whereas, like, when Avril Lavigne sings it to her, I feel like she's saying, like, nobody does know what they're doing. It's okay. Yeah, and that is true. Very true. We were talking about this yesterday, about, like, the difference between people who don't know what they're doing and admit it versus the people who think they know what they're doing and they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, usually when someone's very loud and prominent about the things that they, you know, like, oh, I'm any when anyone someone's a know-it-all, they typically are full of shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, nobody knows everything. Things are constantly changing. Perspective is constantly changing. So anybody who says that they've got to figure it figured out are full of shit. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I feel like, you know, Avril Lavigne is kind of like giving her like a leading hand on this song. And I think it's, I think it's quite nice. Yes. Um, I also just like to think of, I, I know now after reading a bunch of reviews of the album that Avril Lavigne and Willow Smith could not actually record the song together. But in my head, I just kept imagining Avril showing up to the Smith house and just being like, hey, I'm here to record the song with your daughter. That would be funny. Yeah, just like her showing up to Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith's house. Just like, hey, is Willow here? But yeah, I I enjoy this song. I think it's a, some much-needed brevity. Well, what's your thoughts then on this last track? I, I love this song. Breakout? Yeah. Um, I feel like... It, it, it definitely has that punk feel to it. Because um, she's just like shouting into it. Well, it's the angry... It's the it's the like break... I mean, it's literally called Breakout. But I the, my takeaway from it, from the lyrics and the expression... It's the like... It, it's like, fuck you, I'm reclaiming myself. Like, I've talked about ego before. Like, the ego mm-hmm. loss. Mm-hmm. Like, who am I without this person? This is kind of like a fuck you, I'm taking it back sort of feel. Yeah, I feel like it really captures that angst and um, this, like, autonomy of space. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck you, I'm not going to be anything that you tell me I'm going to be. I'm going to be me. I'm not going to listen to anything that you tell me I have to be. And I could be just, like, as a growing woman, as a black woman, as um, as a bisexual um, you know, that could be her as, like, a young person and, like, navigating these different interests in music. Um, yeah, I really like this song. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then I really like that she takes a little bit from Power by Kanye West and says, uh, no one woman should have all that power. I hate people. I just talk to flowers. <laughs> well, um, this song also features Cherry Glazer. Mm-hmm. Who is of um, Clementine Cherry, if I ever say that right? Oh, I so. I had seen the name Cherry Glazer and it sounded familiar, but I don't know much about that band. They're like a like a punk sort of grunge sort of band. I uh, I think it's just kind of fitting mm-hmm. with that style to have like a you know kind of middle finger to it all. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like the range of featured artists that she has in this album. It's a decent range. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice range. And I think that she really plucked them for the sound that fits them best. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's the sign of, like, a strong musician is, like, you know, knowing how to highlight people's strengths and then also, like, create something really valuable from it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I like that she said, ain't nothing to me, I'm unbothered. Now everybody want to tell me where I've been. Old me sitting on a pedestal within told me I would never get it, but it did. Um, yeah, I, I feel like this is a really strong way to end the album. I think, you know, it's sort of like her coming out of this thing. And like, I feel like the narrative of the album is like her experiencing a lot of darkness and you know, working on herself and reflecting on herself. And then at the end, 
Um, you know, she's still got room to grow. She can still change and morph as a person, but she's got a strong idea of what she wants to do and who she wants to be. And I think the way that she carries herself in her interviews really shows that. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really like this song. Beautiful. Yeah. It's one of those ones where, like, the first few times you listen to it, you don't realize it's the end of the album because it goes by so quickly. Yeah. But I think once I was able to get a hold of that Kanye West twist, I was like, oh, okay, this is a really solid song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of the album. That is the album, guys. Yeah, I really liked it. I'm glad. Yeah. It definitely takes a few listens to get through because it goes so quickly. That's fair, yeah. I am a little concerned with the way that people are rapidly ingesting media and things are getting shorter that I'm, I'm worried about our collective attention span. Well, I mean, to be fair though, but a shorter, a short album isn't uncommon in the punk scene. No songs and records typically are fairly short, especially like, I mean, like I get what you're saying, like the worry about consumption, and I, we definitely see that with the TikTok generation, like right TikTok, singles. The Olivia Rodrigo album and, is also really short too. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, like I was gonna say, like singles and hooks, like yeah. choruses. Like there's even people, there's musicians literally who talk about like, don't waste time in the intro, get right to the song, or else it won't be a trend. And it's like, right. I think it's always going to be the struggle and the battle, but I think. There is always going to be a time and place for more digestible, more, you know, consume, you know, time consuming media. And I think that this album, because here's the thing, I think with this album, if it was, if it were to go on too long, mm -hmm. it would become clouded with, it would be lack of focus and not as like efficient in delivering the point. Mm, that's a good point too. I mean, with, the like rapidity of um like the tiktok era and like consuming media very quickly there is also a sort of directness that is happening with the younger generation because there is so much room for content and sharing things that it's like if you're going to say your message and say it authentically then say it quick and get to the point yeah yeah I don't know. I just, I hope that that's not the narrative of, like, the overall, like, pop culture and, like, where we're headed cognitively as a species and more of just, like, something that is happening of the moment and a coincidence. Yeah. Well, I mean, I when I look at Salem, I don't see, there. you can tell there really isn't an effort to make this, like, a trendy TikTok album. Like, you Good can point. tell. Like, its length is more indicative of the style that mm -hmm. it was going with. Like, there, like a lot of, like, not even just punk, like, early, like, I would say, like, a lot of thrash metal bands, just in general, like, in the early days, especially, like, in coming up and having limited resources, mm -hmm. these albums typically were very short. Okay. So, like, this just feels more indicative of the style she was going for, like, you know, like I said, like even sometimes the most lyrically punched songs were the shortest. And I think that mm. speaks more to what she's trying to say. And sometimes the longer songs, are the ones that have like not as much to say. And it's because that absence of commentary is almost itself a statement. 
Fair. I'm taking a moment to look up my favorite album, Surfer Rosa by the Pixies, to see how long that is. And it is 33 minutes. You're correct. Because, you know, I, I love I love the Pixies. And um, they have always been, like, punk influence, alternative. And they'll do, like, the loud, quiet, loud. And they go through songs pretty quickly. So I was just curious to see, like, okay, if I just look at this album for reference. Because they also, like, sing very quick songs and... You know, they're kind of all over the place, but their lyrics are very, like, poetic and mean something. Um, Their album is really only a few minutes longer than hers. So that's an interesting point. That that brings up a good point. I just hope that that's the case and not a sign of things to come for the future. No. I mean, like, ultimately, pop music, like, mainstream pop will always try to bend over backwards to get what's trendy Mm -hmm. but when Mm -hmm. you're making an album like this there's more it's intentional like this was intent to be like the the quality yeah Mm -hmm. so that's all i really gotta say okay cool well i'm really excited to see her continue to work um i've i listened to her 2020 album the anxiety with tyler cole a little bit and I, I did really like that I feel like that also had um some really interesting style choices um and she collaborated with Tyler Cole for a lot of these songs as well mm-hmm. um but I'm just excited to see what she continues to do um she's great I think her voice is great and like her range is just like really really strong oh yeah yeah so that's the end of our little pop punk renaissance trilogy. Yes, it is. Um, I'm glad we included Willow Smith in it. I mean, we would have to, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she got this album in Under the Wire. The anxiety is still kind of pop punk influence, but it's not as apparent as having Avril Lavigne and Travis Barker show up on a song. <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um... Tom. Yes. What has been your weekly obsession? Planning October things. Doing October things? Yeah, well planning, yeah. I'm planning out like our next, you know, some of our next series, planning out some movie watch nights, just having just really embracing the spooky time is here. I'm not allowed to say spooky and I'm I'm not going to say it. Well, it's just the start of the year, so I think you could start with it. No, John's listening. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> what, what's a different word? I'm going to literally look up thesaurus for spooky, and we're going to find a different word that will be thesaurus spooky. Eerie. Ghostly. Well, what's a, what's a synonym for season? Season? Um, let's see. Solstice. <laughs> Spooky um, solstice. I'm doing it. Okay, okay. We're in the spooky solstice. Oh, but no, we gotta change spooky too, right? That's that's no, the goal I can here. Keep spooky. You... I can keep spooky. I just can't put those two words together. Oh, okay. I like I like the um, like it could be like a chilling solstice. 
chilling solstice. Okay, chilling I'm doing solstice. that. We're in our chilling solstice. Yes. Um, and I feel like it's already getting kind of cool, which I really like. I really like this weather. It's not quite summer. It's not quite fall. I think this is the best. Yeah. I like uh, not having to have the AC on all day. Yeah. Me too. You know? Yeah. I, I do miss going to the beach, though. I, I love when it's like 90 degrees out and I can go to the beach. But I also like wearing layers. Yeah. So, you know, Pull out nice. long sleeves. I'm ready to go. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, I'm excited to see what you come up with for our chilling season episodes. I um, am letting you take over that because thank you. That's that's your season. That is Yay. your time of year. I I used to love Halloween, but um, it it's definitely just kind of like come out of favor with me over time. So whatever you want to do. I yeah. love Halloween. Yeah. Um, or Courtney, what mm-hmm. about you? What have you been up to? Um, I love my new job. God bless you. I love my new job. <laughs> Amen. Um, I, I, I get to do cool stuff with a lot of really cool people and um, create our programs for people in New York City. And it's awesome. And I just, um, I, I love the attitude of the people that I work with. I love the idea that it's like, there's always something that we can fix. There's always something that we can change. Are we making sure that like, just because we have the numbers filled up that are we like really hitting the, the goal of like what we set out to do? And um, I, I really love that. I really love that there's always like room for learning and room for changing. Hell yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so God that's what's going on you. with me. I I did decorate my office, which was really fun. Nice. Yeah, I put Digimon in there, and my weird mugs, and um, I like decorated a lot of stuff with washi tape. So um, it feels nice to have like a space that is mine. Amen. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, that's the end of our episode. Do you want to lead us out, Tom? Yeah. Sure thing. That is it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Mm-hmm. This season, this series was fun. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting ready for the eerie solstice. The eerie we're solstice. Ready for the Halloween season. The chilling, so get, the chilling time of year. Chilling. It's going to be nice out. It's going to be orange. I'm going to love it. It's going to be orange. So, yes. So with that, everybody, thank you so much. You can find us on... Instagram, remember the 00S podcast. Be sure to find us anywhere where podcasts are found. You can just type it into Google. Bam. What's that? Google has a thing for podcasts. Bam. It's or Spotify, where is I it's honestly my preferred place to find it. Or if you're one of those people, you could try to convince me how somehow Apple Music is more ethical than uh, Spotify. Yeah, go ahead. Please try to tell me. Our music's also there too. Not music, <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> Also, we're on Amazon. That was perfect. <laughs> we're on... Jeff Bezos took us and put us on Amazon. Jeffrey Bezos. Jeffrey Bezos. He, he listened to us while he was going to space, but didn't pay us a penny, so... Nope. What else would you expect? Nope. All right, guys, but thank you so much, and see you next time. Oh,